Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. With Jimmy and Sean, sell pills for your dumb. Make a fantastic song. Make a fantastic song. We are live. It is WrestleMania week. It is officially starting right now. This is the launch, Jimmy. This is it. WrestleMania week right now. I mean, all the shows are starting literally after our show. From Wednesday on, it's just insane live. That was intentional. That was intentional. So so they all knew don't do shit until like at least 4.30 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. So that's what they're doing. What's the first show tonight? I had it written down here, but now I I don't know what it is anymore. Uh, Let me pull it up. Also, thanks to Tim Traver. He doesn't have a question, but donated a super chat. Just wanted to uh, say that he, he... Gave a super chat to tell us that he plugs our show all the time. Really? You can't get any better than that. No, I want 100 more of those. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, well, let's get some more of that. Yeah, uh, yeah. By the way, guys, if you want to talk about plugs on the air, Jimmy Van did a Q&A on Fightful Select. I did. It was I fantastic. Did. It was a good time. But, yeah, uh, it starts tonight. We're covering WrestlePro Does Funny Equal Money. Santino Morella and Colt Cabana in action as a tag team. Okay. Um yeah, it all kicks off tonight and tomorrow. We've got like Bloodsport, WrestleCon, AIW, Impact, Family Reunion, lots of cool stuff. Awesome. And uh, TakeOver, of course, on Friday night. Hall of Fame on Saturday. Mania, of course, on Sunday. ROH Mania- New Japan Saturday, too. ROH New Japan, yep. Mania is going to be a solid 15 and a half hour show. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be glorious. What, yeah, WrestleMania what- has actually already started. So It's already started. They're in the pre-show. Yeah. yeah. What uh, what match are you most looking forward to from Mania? From Mania, Kofi versus Brian or Kofi the main event itself. Really? Okay. And what match uh, are you most looking forward to for the weekend across every show? Oh, that's, Riddle that's and important. Velveteen Dream. Without I it. agree. Riddle and Velveteen. I'm looking forward to that match. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I am very excited. I think it's Matt's moment. I think so, too. I agree. I think so, too. He's going to be He's going to be something special, I think. Yeah, uh, I understand Rey Mysterio was legitimately injured. Yeah, I'm trying to find out more, but uh, now everybody's in the midst of traveling to New York, so it's not as easy yeah. to get a, get answers as it would have been last night. But yeah, that's he, too bad. But his match with Samoa Joe still on as of right now. But I mean, they've got so many people there; they can change it. Right. Right. Okay. Um, so I guess I'll do another reminder. We are one week away. New room, new time. 6 p.m. Eastern as of next Wednesday, April 10th. 
uh, from the new media room upstairs. And as I've been saying, I have at least one confirmed surprise for next Wednesday, I'm 6 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> I'm Are you? Are my you? hair is very dry. If you all see me doing this a lot, my hair can, is very dry. I can tell that you don't. You haven't Roman Reigns yourself at all today. You know what? I can see it. <laughs> Let's just take care of that right now. Now you're ready for the race. Ah! We got to turn that into a clip, Nigel. <laughs> we got to we got to do it. I'm ready. Maybe that I don't can want be my hair all fluffy. I don't want to look like Dog the Bounty Hunter out here. We should we should make <laughs> We should make it a tier where whenever we had a certain select tier, you have to do somebody's mannerisms like you just did. <laughs> uh, okay. That's what we should do. Uh, okay, so I was going to start today with the John Oliver piece, but then this AEW stuff broke. So yeah. we might as well start with the AEW stuff. So we're doing this on April 3rd. Uh, they announced today that they have signed Jim Ross to a three-year contract. Uh, they called it, quote, in the press release that they sent Fightful, the most lucrative deal in commentary history. Uh, and they haven't uh, defined the role, uh, you know, specifically. They did say he's going to be a senior advisor. And because he's got the most lucrative deal in commentary history, he's probably going to be part of commentary. I heard this news. Sean and I talked a little bit. I like the news. I despise the press release. Uh, and, uh, so far from what I hear, I hate the deal, but, uh, but we have to, we have to reserve judgment on the deal because we don't know anything financial yet. I like the news because I think Jim Ross has a ton to offer any wrestling company. He's got so much experience. He's got experience across many facets of the business. Uh, going back to the Bill Watts days, he's done everything from promotions. He did talent relations. He handled payroll. He did marketing. Uh, he's done everything. So he is, I think, a, a great resource. And I, I say good for them for AEW and it's a good pickup. I hate the press release. I hate, Sean, the press release because how pretentious do you have to be to put in your press release that is the most lucrative deal in commentary history? Who are you trying to impress by putting in your press release the most lucrative deal in commentary history? Hated that. And, and I was saying to Sean off the air, why would you put that in your press release? Who are you trying to impress? Right. Yeah, that, that was, and I thought it was burying the lead. Is what I told you. I thought that they kind of wanted to hide the fact that Jim Ross is nowhere near where he was on commentary. Now, a lot of that could be interest. A lot of that could be the fact that he's been calling matches for guys that there are a language barrier with. Primarily, there are plenty that that weren't. But mm. he's going to have the opportunity to talk to these wrestlers, get to know them a little bit better, and and hopefully his work will return to where it was because I. I mean, I think he can be outstanding, but then again, can he be at this stage? I don't know. I don't know what Alex Marvez is going to bring. I have no idea. I've never seen Excalibur in that environment before. Mm -hmm. I've seen him drop a few comments that are a little too insider for me, mm. but that can be rectified. That's nothing he can't fix. I don't know mm -hmm. what Alex Marvez is going to do. I love them signing Alicia Atow. I wish we had Alicia Atow. Like that—that's a great one. Justin, I mean, like they're calling her Alicia A, right? They're calling her Alicia A. Yeah, I, I yeah, I assume so. Uh, Justin yeah. Roberts is another good one. We do have him technically on <laughs> our intro here. I texted him this morning. Oh yeah, so, yeah. So so good for Justin Roberts. He'll be in Vegas. So good for him. Uh, one more thing with the gym. We'll see. I actually told him. I said, if I go to Vegas, make make time for me for lunch or something. But we'll see. But. Uh, the other thing I want to say about Jim Ross, and again, I mean no disrespect to Jim Ross because I get he, he brings a lot to the table, decades of experience. I think there's a lot that he can provide, but Jim Ross is not in uh, demand. There are not wrestling promotions lining up looking to sign Jim Ross. 
And so why would you give him the quote-unquote most lucrative deal in commentary history? And we've talked about this before on this podcast, and I'm, I don't mean to be disrespectful with this term, but I can't help but again look at Tony Khan like a quote-unquote money mark because you're signing a guy to a lucrative contract that wasn't in demand, so you don't need to sign him to a lucrative contract. He put in the press release, I've been a fan since I was seven years old. Uh, so again, it makes him look a certain way. He's throwing millions of dollars at, at this group of wrestlers that he has, basically carte blanche running the show. Correct me if I'm wrong, it looks like a WCW-esque type of start. Uh, and and I again, I want them to do well. Competition is good for wrestling. It will light a fire under WWE. I want them to do well. I can't imagine what their uh, payroll looks like. And they haven't even done a show yet. And I can't imagine what their payroll looks so like. I have some insight on that. As of right now, some of the people who have contracts are being paid, even though the contracts don't technically start until May. Oh, I could have told you that. I mean, I yeah. mean, Cody and the Bucks and Brandy, they're already working, right? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I mean, some of the talent, like Joey Janela, for instance, oh, okay. his contract doesn't start till May. He's still being taken care of by them. Sure, and I, I mean, I would expect he would because they're still utilizing him for marketing purposes. So I would expect they'd be giving him something. But uh, it just again, and I, I was, I was saying to Sean off the air, it, it reminds me of like vultures circling a little bit. Yeah. Like these guys kind of recognized, here's this guy with literally billions of dollars who is a lifelong wrestling fan, who's a big fan of uh, being the elite, and he loved the first all-in show in Chicago, and he's got money to burn, and we can take this guy to the cleaners. And I'm not saying they're going to, yeah. but what I'm, what I'm saying is he's thrown out like seven-figure contracts before they've done anything. They just said that they've given Jim Ross the most lucrative deal in commentary history when he wasn't in demand. It makes really bad business sense to me. And like I said to you before, if they announce this new TV deal in the U.S., everybody's talking about Turner and, and TNT. Sure. If, they, if they announce a new TV deal and if it is a lucrative, guaranteed money TV deal, cool. Then I say, good for you because now your expenses are covered. If they don't get that lucrative TV deal, why are you throwing millions of dollars at guys before you've done anything? Why are you giving a guy that's not in demand a lucrative deal, the most lucrative deal? I'm ready for us to renegotiate our deal and for you to release a press release that says the most mediocre deal in wrestling media. Just the most mediocre. Oh, really? I, I would love to do that, Sean. That would I would be love great. to do it. Can we, can we negotiate down? Well, let's be honest. We know what some people ask for, Jimmy. I don't oh, have that okay. five-year, six-figure deal yet. I lost you for a second yeah. on that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But yeah. yeah, I get it. I, I thought that that was a way of them burying any negative lead and also for – it's it's a way to get people talking. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It is. And I, I don't think there's a – correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there's a negative connotation on Jim Ross, is there? I mean, I realize yeah. that the – is yeah. there? I mean, I, oh, my God, yes. Uh, I know. So I understand, like, the New Japan run, there was a lot of negativity about his play-by-play. -play. But Jim Ross, is he not still a popular wrestling figure? He is, isn't he? Among hardcore people, hardcore fans, it's, it's a little more polarizing than that. Okay, okay, all right. I mean, I still – I have nothing but respect for him. And like I said, I think he's a good pickup. I think there's a lot he can offer. I think the senior advisor role is a great role. I would not make him my uh, my first string play-by-play -play commentator. 
Yeah. Uh, but I think he's a great pickup. I think he's got just so much that he can offer them in terms of his experience. So I'm good with all of that. But again, it's, it's, it's like if you and I were looking at bringing on a writer and the writer has no job offers or nothing, nothing of any significance, am I going to offer the guy a massive deal when he doesn't yeah. have any? It's, it's ridiculous. It's stupid. So we'll see what happens. I, like I've said before, and I'm sure there are people in the live chat right now probably shitting on me because they're big AEW fans. I want them to do well. I think these are really poor, uh, poor steps that they've taken. I think they've making mistakes, but we'll see what happens when they announce the TV deal. Sure. Uh, all right, let's talk about John Oliver. Yeah. I can't believe this thing has gotten so much play. You I know? Can't. I can't. I did. It was one of those things. Like when we dropped the Eminem WWE news, I didn't expect that to be such a big deal. Uh, Sunday, I got information that actually I think it was Saturday I got information, but then Sunday I was able to confirm it was some some other people that this John Oliver thing was going to happen. And I was very surprised at the attention that it got. And uh, then subsequently, I wasn't surprised after that. But before it happened, I was more surprised, but it kind of prepared me Mm -hmm. for the reaction that it would get. But honestly, there wasn't anything in that that people that watched this show probably wouldn't know. That's why I was surprised it got the attention it got. There was nothing new mentioned at all. Everything that was discussed. So, so I want to talk about uh, the things I agreed with and the things I didn't agree with with this piece because it's gotten so much attention that WWE stock initially actually went down the day that the, that the show started getting attention. It swung by the end of the day and it went back up. But uh, as you just said, nothing was new. This is stuff that has been discussed forever. Uh, a lot of the facts in this thing were 15 years out of date or older which is one of the things I had a problem with. I want to talk about first what I agreed with him with. And again, nothing is new. I agree with him that it doesn't make sense for WWE wrestlers to have independent contractor status when they are under exclusive contract. And as he made a point of saying in WWE's own uh, press credentials and website and everything, they say flat out that they are under exclusive contract. They say flat out that without them, there is no WWE. Uh, and in terms of the law, uh, that does not make you an independent contractor. That makes you a full-time employee. Yeah. There's no doubt or there's no disputing that they're doing it because they don't want to pay health benefits. They don't want to pay into a pension plan. They don't want to pay long-term disability. Uh, and that's long been the reason that, that, that they're doing this. Because just if you think about this, man's put, put yourself in his shoes. How many guys come and go, Sean? right? Guys, guys, guys come into developmental. Maybe they don't work out. They come in. Maybe they get injured. They don't work out. If you're a full-time employee, you, you've got to pay into pension plans, long-term disability, and they have such a rotating door. I mean, that would really add up. Not that they don't have the money, but I can understand you know, why they don't want them to be full-time employees. I also uh, want to point out, nobody's forcing the wrestlers to work for WWE, mm-hmm. right? No one's putting a gun to their head. Most of them want to do it. For most of them, WWE is the goal. And the other thing that we should mention is that WWE, it's not like they've never been investigated because they have. And it's been 40, 50 years. And when the whole thing went down with the steroid case, WWE was heavily investigated and nothing has really come out of it. And so, you know, whether right or wrong, it is what it is. Nothing has changed. Uh, One area where I really disagreed with John Oliver's piece was when he really focused on the mortality rate, the wrestler mortality rate. Brought up King Kong Bundy. King Kong Bundy. Bundy hadn't been there in 25 years. Right, right. I was was looking at that and... You know, all due respect to King Kong Bundy, but the condition in which his body was, right. I'm, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking 63 ain't bad for a guy who was 
450 pounds. Yeah, 61, I think. I think he was 61. I don't know. I think, but, he, was six, I think he was born in 55. But Oh, was he? Okay, I thought but, he was 61. I mean, I'm like, what the hell? And bringing up Lance Cade, and I was like, okay, that one's a little bit questionable. I mean, there are some of those. There was a – he brought up – he showed Bret Hart talking negatively about WWE right after he left the company, and right. Oliver said – he has reason to, to feel that way. His brother died while in WWE. Those right. comments were from before then. Like two years. Yeah. Well, before a year, that ever a year happened. and a half. Yeah. It was 97, 99, yeah. right? Well, end of 97, beginning of 99. Mid-99. Yeah. 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 Like uh, uh, WWE, the landscape is so different now than it was. I mean, number one, the lifestyle lifestyles are different. WWE covers medical bills now whenever injuries or surgeries occur. They're, they have much more attentive medical staff. They have much better concussion protocol now to the point that some of the wrestlers get frustrated like a Daniel Bryan or an Alexa Bliss because they're not allowed to compete when they want to. Like they're, they're, they're much better. Not only that, guys are not out partying and, and getting addicted to painkillers, recreational drugs at the level that they were before. You hear stories now about like JBL has told stories about you go backstage now, guys are playing yeah. video games or they're on their laptops. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they're just much more aware than they were back then. And, uh, and it's just much different. And so one of the issues I have with John Oliver's piece is that he kind of spun it for the uninformed person. And a lot of his viewers are not wrestling fans, right? So he spun it for the uninformed viewer. Like that's the current landscape. Like, and it's like, not. like, no. Yeah. And, and it hasn't been for 20 years. And so I had a major problem with that. It was a very self-serving uh, uh, thing that he did. You brought up the Bret Hart point already because I was going to mention that one too. The other thing that I found laughable about the piece, uh, and again, it came off like John Oliver is just not informed about, about things. He said, hey, if you want things to change, WrestleMania is coming up. They listen to the fans. I encourage you to go to WrestleMania, make signs, chant, and maybe you can get things to change when it comes to the independent contractor status. If he knew anything about the WWE landscape, he would know that that's not going to do shit. Not going to do anything. Not and... going to do anything. They will confiscate the signs, all right? <laughs> if they don't like your chance, they might kick you out. If you want to get anything done in WWE in 2019, you go after the sponsors. That's what you do. And last year, what did they do, Sean? The Women's Battle Royal at WrestleMania. It was named after the Fabulous Moolah. And this massive thing went viral about the reputation of the Fabulous Moolah. And what did people do, Sean? They went to Snickers. WrestleNomics is a great graphic. It's like a pyramid of the hierarchy of what WWE listens to. The top, it's Vince McMahon. Then it's sponsors. Then below that, it's it's uh, major corporate sponsors. Then below that, it's it's like networks, and at the very bottom, it's fans and social media. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, let me tell you something. It is one thing to listen to the fans and get Kofi Kingston into the WWE title match. It's one thing to listen to the fans and get Becky Lynch into the the women's title match. Are they going to listen to the fans and change wrestler status from independent contractor to full time employee? Are you out of your fucking mind? There's no chance it's going to happen. You go to the sponsors if you want that done. And quite frankly, in a situation like this, I don't think the sponsors are going to care either, Sean. No, I, I don't think so either. You know. And there were so many things as I was talking to people in the know, like you didn't have to sensationalize it and bring up outdated information. These guys give up their marketing and licensing rights. They're uh, taught how to wrestle and told how to wrestle, how to uh, display themselves creatively. They're not supposed to get tattoos or their haircut without permission. Like there are just so many little things like they're, they're the, 
they didn't explain why it was advantageous for WWE to have them as independent contractors as opposed to employees. There were so many other aspects, and you know, I'm sure that there were a lot of uh, time restrictions on this as well. Oh, sure, of course, but, there is. But it was and, done, and it was done in such a way that he he had a narrative that he wanted to follow that narrative. Uh, I, I think you said that we're allowed to respond to super chats, right? Yeah, that's what we of do. Course. A guy named Hothead five six seven said, "Who said that the Jim Ross deal is over seven figures? For all we know, AEW is just trying to get extra hype. I don't think anybody did. Did anybody nobody say it was that. over? No, nobody said that. All they said was press release says most lucrative deal in commentary history, but nobody yeah. has said financial terms. Uh, okay, so WWE has responded to this John Oliver thing. I want to read one quote that came from their little press release, and then I want to." They wanted to make sure we got that out. Like, we had already run a separate story. Yep. Uh, so I don't think I had even reached out to WWE about that yet. I was going to, but by the time that I saw it, somebody else already had, and the statement was out there. We ran right. a story based on that. Then WWE went to the trouble of messaging me and saying, Hey, Sean, will you update your article with our statement? Right. And I was like, Well, we already have a new article on it, but I'll update the, the old one that you're referring to for clarity, sure. Well, here's one quote from the press release. They said, prior to airing, WWE responded to his producers refuting every point in his one-sided presentation. John Oliver simply ignored the facts. The health and wellness of our performers is the single most important aspect of our business, and we have a comprehensive, long-standing talent wellness program. We invite John Oliver to attend WrestleMania this Sunday to learn more about our company. My question for you is, do you have any idea what they refuted? No, they didn't, okay. they didn't provide any of that information, and I did ask. Okay, okay. I was wondering about that. So uh, we talked about this before on this show, and I'm going to talk about it again. I happened to listen to a little bit of uh, The Observer when they were talking about this. And uh, Brian Alvarez said, if anybody you know, has any ideas for any suggestions for what WWE could do, and no one seemed to have any suggestions, even though to me this is not rocket science. And so there's a few things I think WWE can do that I think would appease a lot of people. There's not going to be a union. There's not going to be a collective bargaining agreement. I don't see that happening anytime soon. The reason that's not going to happen is because you need the top talent to participate. And so long as the top talent is being taken care of, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to, uh, to agree to be part of something that could you know, potentially cost them their spot. And I, put so, on, I put on Twitter and you know, I got varying degrees of reaction. I'm like, hey, if, if you want that to happen, then you should probably know that in your piece. And then maybe not call the single person with the most influence on that full-time roster and say that they look like a pedophile. That like was that, bad, that, too. That was bad, too. Yeah. A lot of people were like, eh, but you should be talking about it. And I'm like, uh, excuse me, I can talk about two things at once. Like, yeah, you, can, yeah, yeah. you can like the subject matter and dislike a joke. People that yeah. act like you can only focus on one aspect of it, morons. That shit is so annoying. Oh, you should be talking about how the boys do this. <laughs> yeah, or I can talk about this shitty joke that one of his writers uh, cooked up. Because I know that several wrestlers that I talked to, well, actually two wrestlers I talked to, said, yeah, I thought that was a home run besides the Roman Reigns joke. His researcher should have known better. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, I mean, come October, WWE is going to be, if they're not already swimming in money, they're going to be swimming in money come October. Uh, and I know, I'm sure that a lot of the talent backstage is probably talking about, well, what about us? Right? When they're going to be getting a billion dollars in TV contracts, what about us? So we talked about it before. Let's talk about it again. Things WWE could very easily do for talent. It's not going to cost them an arm and a leg. And I think it would go a long way in just kind of appeasing everybody. Number one, you cover road expenses, food and hotel. That's easy. Yeah. Easy, right? It's they are. Next contract. 
Uh, hey, well, I cover your phone at least. At least it's something. Somebody said, are you going to give me a lifetime contract like John Calipari at University of Kentucky? So let's continue. So uh, cover road expenses, <laughs> food, hotel, rental car, stuff like that. That's, that's number one. Number two, cut down on the touring schedule. And we've talked about this before. They are essentially a television entity now. And come October, they're going to be primarily Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because they're not going to have to worry about Tuesday anymore, right? So what I would do, they've already said, we've seen the financials, and they've already said live events are not booming anymore. Merchandise is not booming anymore. They are a television entity. So it would be very easy come October to cut the schedule from four shows a week to three shows a week. See, uh, easy. You, 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 you run SmackDown Friday live, Saturday, Sunday. Exactly. You run Raw Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Monday, exactly. Right? have raw running the same night smackdown is on the air yes and you never have smackdown running the same night raw is on the air because that attendance is garbo yeah but then only that so then both brands are on the road for pay-per-views and if they ever have to let's say they want to have a raw talent on smackdown fine you fly them in a day early you want to have a smackdown talent on raw you keep them on the road a day later on occasion but otherwise you do that three day a week schedule it, they're not going to see a blip in terms of a difference in attendance or revenue or anything with the live events because they're not enough of a money maker or a difference maker anymore so you do that you cut it down to three come october then on top of that as we talked about before implement time off cycles there's no reason why they can't give guys four to six weeks off two times a year and we've seen it with how many performers sean over the years they come back hotter than before they left every single time Every single time. Roman Reigns, people were even kind of joking, gee, maybe they found a way to make him a babyface, right? Yeah, because well, we probably shouldn't give him cancer. That's for sure. But, I, I mean, I don't even like joking about that kind of stuff, but the fact of the matter is, he came back, and for the first time in how many years, he was not booed when he came back. more to do with the condition than, than the time off. But so many, so many times, Jimmy, we see these people with time off of TV, but they're right. still in the live events. Yeah. And it's Take them off the damn live events. Take them off the live events. I agree. 215 people under contract. Yep. Remember when Cena was out with injury and at WrestleMania, The Rock was doing the thing with the Wyatts? Cena, and you got to remember, this is WrestleMania. This is a smart crowd, all right? The smart crowd hated John Cena, but he had been off TV for a while, and as soon as his music hit, rock star reaction, right? Mm -hmm. Time off cycles are beneficial for everyone. The talent will come back happy, healthy, excited, rejuvenated, and they will be hotter than before they left. These are three things that I would do come October, and it's no skin off WWE's back. It's not going to cost them a lot of money, and in the long run, they'll see benefit, and uh, that's what I would do. And if you look at things and you're like, oh, well, what happens if you take a big name off the road? You've got some fun people as producers. If you need somebody to fill in on right. a live event, bring Devon Dudley out there. Have him 3D somebody with, with somebody else. Or they could use any anybody Jared. under anybody under Lynch's contract. Yeah, just They could use anybody. There. It'd be easy, easy, right? Well, one of the people who looks to gain that influence is Triple H, who does have a lifetime contract, it seems. Must be nice. But I spoke to him last week. Take a listen. We saw that you uh, brought in Stokely Hathaway, and he, he's got a new name now, but managers being brought into the performance center uh, maybe talk to me about the the mindset of that how they fit into the performance center experience and maybe what kind of impression he's made on you so far um well he's obviously made an impression he wouldn't be there <laughs> um yeah look i i think that as the business changes and evolves and you see um different talent coming in and out i know there's been a 
you know, uh, I've heard, you know, chatter for a long time about managers and I think things are cyclical. They go away, they come back. I think the ability to have management around talent or to have mouthpieces or however you want to say it, um, when, when you start to talk about international talent and, uh, you know, you, you bring in a talent that doesn't speak the language of, you know, English and you're trying to move them into a U.S. product or anything else, uh, the, the language is important, being able to speak and, and perform and talk people into seats and to, to promote and do everything else is very important. Um, not everybody can do that. Not everybody's going to learn that skill, and that, that's something that takes a long time. Learning a second language um, is not easy, um, and we do that with a lot of our talent, whether that's they speak English and we're teaching them another language or vice versa, but um, it's, it doesn't change the fact that it's important. So having people like a Stokely or, um, you know, Robbie or d different people that can do uh, not only management uh, from a character standpoint or be able to deliver that, they can do a lot of other things and they bring a lot of value to the table other than just, hey, I'm just uh, there to be a mouthpiece for this person. Also, with the move to Friday night for this NXT, are there any maybe logistical hurdles that you all face in doing that that maybe people wouldn't understand or, or notice upon first glance? Well, I, I think that it it sort of changes the dynamic of, you know, back-to-back -back televisions in the same place. And i just give you an example of that is we go to Europe and we do two TV shows back-to-back -back in London or something like that. Um, we do it here. It, it changes that because now it's Friday and Monday. It's not back-to-back -back anymore. It changes the dynamic of a lot of different things. And um, it's, it's really almost the best thing you can do at that point is just, you know, you still have to have your plans of the day-to-day -day going forward, but then to get in a different room, take a clean sheet of paper and say, okay, now what? what, what let's start over and look at this all over again. And, and really that's what we're doing. We're constantly – the one thing that people don't give Vince, I think, sometimes a lot of credit for is his ability to shift and morph and um, become uh, what is needed in the time. And – reimagining everything is one of his biggest skill sets and to be able to go back in and say, okay, he is not afraid to, I'll just use this as an example, he's not afraid to look at the pay-per-view revenue model and say, we're going to rip this up and we're going to start over and we're going to go with an OTT network and we're going to change our entire business model. Um, he'll gamble on himself. He's not, he's just, he's not afraid to look at everything and say, we, okay, we need to reboot this whole thing and start over and take a clean sheet of paper and start with it. He is a big saying, first day on the job. Um, if you came in with fresh eyes and looked at everything, would you do it that way? Or would first day on the job, would you do it differently? Because the truth is, it, it stuff shifts every day. And there are lots of things you just do in your life because that's how you always done them, even though there might be better ways to do it. So constantly looking at that, and that's he's ingrained that in the entire company. And that's what we're doing in this moment as well. You know, um, and that will be a big part of the reason why it's all successful. We will have coverage of any uh, post-show media stuff that WWE provides. Andrew Thompson will be doing that, as I will be on the post-show podcast this weekend. And there are plenty of them, literally 
from right now, we're, re- we're kicking off WrestleMania week tonight. I'm making the Fightful Select uh, NXT 205 UK show a free preview. And uh, Warren Hayes will be here for that. And then just all week, it doesn't stop until next week, our debut at 6 p.m. Eastern, Jimmy. You're over the moon about that. Oh, yes, I am. I see the smile creep on your face when I say, yeah, yeah. Sneak. And you're like, ah! <laughs> ah! It's a much better time slot for my schedule, and I'm pretty stoked about the surprise, Sean. God, I so. know this is going to be the dumbest shit ever. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I want to say one thing back to the John Oliver thing. I noticed in the chat some people were saying, oh, you're giving Vincent Man a free pass. We're not giving Vincent Man a free pass. We're not defending. We're nonpartisan in this. I'm not defending WWE, but I'm also not going to wrongfully shit on WWE. The independent contractor thing is bullshit. There's no, there's no denying it. They're doing it, like I said, for financial reasons. But a lot of the stuff that was discussed in that piece were, were I disagreed with them. They were done, taken out of context. Timelines were off. So I'm just kind of calling it like I see it. That's basically it. I want to talk about the XFL, Sean, because oh, another another brick fell this week. Maybe a wall fell this week. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, let's let's talk about it. Off, they're singing right along with it. <laughs> it was, it was so, a big one. So I'm sure by now everybody knows. So the AAF, what is it? The Alliance of American Football. It, it ain't shit now. No, well, I'm, well, I'm telling the story, Sean. <laughs> so, uh, so it was the league. Charlie Ebersol's league got a one-year heads up on. Uh, I almost said on WWE. Got a one-year heads up on the XFL. They could cherry pick talent. They could cherry pick venues, cities, everything they wanted. They had a TV deal, which the XFL still has not announced. Yesterday, uh, April 2nd, they announced that they're suspending football operations effective today, April 3rd, after only eight weeks. Uh, and did you see the email that they sent out, Sean? Oh, I did. It was so bad. So the email that they sent out, they basically told staff, I can't imagine, Nigel, if I, I could never do this to people. They basically said, hey, if you hear from us, that means that you're still employed. If you don't hear from us, that means you're fired. That's basically what they said in the email. If you don't hear anything from us, that means you're fired effective tomorrow, what? which is unbelievable. What? Yeah, which is unbelievable. Uh, and what ended up happening was, so Tom Dundon, who's the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, he's the guy that earmarked $250 million in February to fund the AAF. They were in negotiations with the NFL Players Association. They wanted to become a developmental league for them. Uh, they wanted uh, the NFL to feed them players under NFL contract because they thought, number one, it's good for us to, to have these developmental players for you guys and have that connection and maybe get some funding too. Number two, the play will go up if we have yeah. NFL players playing in the league. The NFL wasn't cool with it for different reasons, and so Tom Dunn decided to pull out uh, against the wishes of the co-founders. Now, one thing I do want to mention, because you know how people take everything out of context, Sean, and there's going to be headlines about, oh, the AAF blew through $250 million in two months. That's not true. So Tom Dunn earmarked $250 million, but he did not spend $250 million. Yeah. He was funding them on a week-to-week basis. Uh, and so he basically just told them, I'm not funding you guys for next week. And so that's why they had no choice. They're still hoping to get funding. I don't think it's going to happen. Cut his losses. He cut his losses, yeah. So they've suspended operations. They haven't officially folded, but it looks like that's going to happen. Uh, I did some of the math here because, of course, everybody's thinking about Vincent Mann and how senile he must be, right? So Tom Dundon, in about two months, spent about $90 million. Uh, because apparently, as, or I should say 70 million, it would have been 90 million if he, if he went the next two weeks, 
because they said that the rest of the, of the season was going to cost another 20. He spent 70. From uh, early February after week one until this week, he spent 70 million bucks. And so that takes you to Vince McMahon. And I went back and I looked at the press release from when they launched the XFL or announced the launch of the XFL. He said at that time that he was willing to spend 500 million over three years to get the XFL off the ground. 500 million over three years is an average of 167 million a year. So far, Vince McMahon has committed 372 million because he did two stock sales. He did one for 100 million in December of 2017. He just did another one last week for $272 million. So uh, it's a lot of money to burn, Sean, a lot. And if the AEF has shown us anything, it looked like on the surface they were doing things right. They were in cities that didn't have NFL. Uh, their attendance was decent. They had a, a, a television deal, and yet they were just bleeding money over 10 million bucks a week. And I can't see how it's going to be any different for the XFL, aside from the fact that Vincent Mann seems ready and willing to lose 500 million bucks in three years. It's just a bad idea. That's it. It's not it's good. just a bad idea. It's and I good. go back to that Stephanie McMahon quote where she says, my dad always says it's okay to make a mistake, but don't make the same mistake twice. And I'm like, if the XFL taught me anything, it wasn't that the football was bad or the presentation was bad or anything, all of which were true. Mm -hmm. The appetite for spring and summer football just is not there. Right. For whatever reason. It is not there. I mean, my thing is, and maybe it's because I, I cover MMA, I don't have an interest in watching if, like regional shows as much anymore unless I'm doing commentary on them or it's, it's a job. Mm -hmm. I want to watch the best. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to watch. I'm not starving. Okay, if there is like, I, I love the NBA. I love NBA basketball and college basketball. If a pro league came... And it was like, I don't know, the third best league I'd, and put a team in Louisville, I don't know that I'd be going to their games. Maybe one, then never again. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing, too. So when the AAF launched, I didn't know what kind of numbers we were going to be talking about in terms of dollars spent. I didn't know because I was thinking about, okay, the revenue stream. So they'll have some ticket sales. They'll have some merch sales. TV rights was going to be their, their primary revenue stream. And so I didn't know, okay, obviously they're not going to get a big WWE-style television deal, but maybe if they can get 20, 30, 40, 50 million a year, if they're lucky, maybe they can make it work. Now that we've seen one year of the AAF, if Tom Dundon spent 70 million in two months and he came in after week one, Sean, that means they already had startup costs. They had already done the marketing. They had already spent all of that. If he spent 70, maybe they spent another 100 in the, in the startup costs. When you look at that, I don't know how they thought they were going to make that back because I, I don't know how a TV entity was going to throw you that kind of money in a contract when you're unproven. And so now that I see those kind of numbers, and, and again, we know that Vince is willing to spend $170 million a year. I don't know how you make that back unless the viewership is so strong that a network is like, take my money, but they're not. Yeah, so, and there were reports that these people had to find like their own flights home. Really? Oh, man, that's rough. You mean the players? Yeah. Are you kidding? Really? It's, that, there was, uh, yeah, there were, there were reports of that. Well, leave it to WWE to, to, to be quick to jump on the AAF news for their own personal gain because uh, they don't mess around. Yes. So a gentleman by the name of Paul Fair, he is the WWE Director of Talent Development, 
Uh, so the news broke last night, April 2nd. Not too long after the news broke, Mr. Paul Fair posted this on Twitter. Put that up, Nigel. He said, the bad news coming out of today for the players involved with the AAF is I'm opening up two spots to our April, April WWE tryout. Any player open to exploring opportunities beyond Facebook, or football, I'm sorry. I'm so used to seeing FB yeah, for Facebook. No, I, yeah. uh, exploring opportunities beyond football can complete a profile, blah, 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 blah. Oh, you talk about just jumping on an opportunity, Sean. Also, jumping on an opportunity for trolls to just fill that inbox. Good job, genius. You know how many hashtag another door opens right. from just absolute schlubs you're going to find? I interviewed... Anthony Bowens for a long form feature. Go check it out, guys. It's it's pinned to my profile. But he was a part of the Columbus Open tryouts, or public tryouts. But there was some schlub that thought it meant open tryouts, and I'm talking like the biggest out of shape turd in a trench coat you've ever seen, <laughs> yelling at Matt Bloom. Where's my shot, man? Where's my shot, man? Meanwhile, you've got these world-class athletes in the ring sucking wind. Oh, yeah. Dying. Oh, yeah. Why are y'all scared? They escorted that homeboy off the property. Do you know how many of those you're going to get that don't actually have to show up somewhere? Right. They just got to... Okay. Good job, Paul. You're right. I mean, look at Daniel Cormier, an Olympic, Olympic caliber wrestler who decided not to do pro wrestling because the training was too hard. Yeah. That's 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 reality. A lot a lot of people don't understand. Uh, all right, let's go to stupid people. Stupid people is what this segment's called. You might wonder why we do it. It's not about wrestling at all. Used to be WWE's weekly usage of stupid nicknames, which we did hoping they'd stop giving wrestlers lame names. But it didn't work, so we gave up. In the new segment, we came up with this stupid people. Stupid people, stupid people. Duh. I almost want to do a new version of that song and get Trevor Strong to put the Dreadlock Dynamo in it somewhere. How have we never had him perform live on the show yet? Uh, oh, I've thought about it. I've thought about <laughs> I it. I have two. Yeah. I have two. It'd be a bit of a drive for him, but uh, we, we can maybe figure something out. I, I thought about trying to swing that for 100 as a part of... I mean, it would have just been another surprise that completely fell through. Right. But at least he would have shown up and I wouldn't have. And that would have been even more confusing. Would have been even better if I had him, like, you know, be the lead anchor guy or whatever you call yourself yeah. on this podcast. That'd be interesting. He'd be like, so, you like wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, after this uh, FIFA Select, we'll have three more for you, Stupid People Extended. Once again, these are pretty good. I was just talking to Nigel before we started about one of the pieces of media that I have. Uh, and this was for the SRS file. And as soon as I told him, he goes, is that what that is? <laughs> so you're going to like that one. So this first one reported by CNBC on March 21st. So you're a big football guy, Sean, no? Yeah, I love football. So I don't follow football. I didn't watch the Super Bowl. Uh, apparently, Anheuser-Busch, which makes Bud Light, they spent a reported $50 million on a commercial that they aired during the Super Bowl. We have the commercial. It's only about a minute long. Show that commercial. And that's how you brew it. Um, my king, this corn syrup was just delivered. That's not ours. We don't brew Bud Light with corn syrup. Miller Light uses corn syrup. Let us take it to them at once. But if something did happen, we'd eat the wizard first, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, brewers of Miller Lite, we received your corn syrup by mistake. That's not our corn syrup. We received our shipment this morning. You're joking. Try the Coors Light Castle. They also use corn syrup. Ah. 
Can you smoke outside? Oh, Brewers of Coors Light, is this corn syrup yours? Well, 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 looks like the corn syrup has come home to be brewed. <laughs> to be clear, we brew Coors Light with corn syrup. Ah. Bud Light, brewed with no corn syrup. <laughs> no, Sean immediately, as soon as it started, he said, oh, we might get pulled for this. Yeah. And I said, why? It's a commercial. Screw them. It's a commercial that's available on YouTube already. Anyway, uh, Miller Coors, which is a subsidiary of Molson Coors Brewing and the makers of both Miller Lite and Coors Lite, they're now suing Anheuser-Busch, Sean. Why? They're claiming false advertising meant to deceive customers, uh, and they say that it misuses the Miller and Coors trademark. They want it shut down. They want Anheuser-Busch to pay their legal fees. There's one problem. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but there's one problem that could impede the Miller Coors case. Do you know what that problem is? The fact that it's true? Correct. The fact that they told the truth and that they use corn syrup in their product. Now, I read some of the, uh, the legal claim and Miller Coors actually said, and this is the truth, they actually said, no, 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 no. We don't use high fructose corn syrup. We just use corn syrup. And they claim that high fructose corn syrup is the one that is linked to obesity. Uh, and so they don't want there to be confusion. And so they're trying to say there's a difference. We don't use that one. We use that one. Did they, did they say high fructose in the commercial? No. Tastes closed. But, but it's corn syrup. It's corn syrup. Yeah. So, <laughs> so whatever. Man. This next one, this could almost be for the SRS, SRS file. <laughs> and we have stuff like this happen in the office sometimes. So reported by news.com.au on March 26th. So there's a 56-year-old guy in Melbourne, Australia, Sean. His name is David Hinkst. And he choked and then Greg saved him, just like it happens in the office. <laughs> almost, almost. He's suing his former employer for $1.8 million in a workplace compensation case. They actually went through an 18-day trial before the Supreme Court, uh, and Mr. Hinks lost the case, but he plans to appeal. Why do you think he sued his former employer for workplace compensation? Any idea, Sean? His dick fell off. Nigel, why do you think he sued his former employer for workplace compensation? Uh, no idea. Because he said his supervisor farted in his office. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. <laughs> this is real. Language, right? Oh, yeah, he said he oh, farted oh. in his office and he said he considered that workplace bullying. <laughs> now, all I got to say is I got about 40 people in here and I'd say probably two thirds of them are like men in their 30s. Uh, There'd be bullying everywhere in this office uh, if, yeah. that's wanna, if that's what you want to if that's what you want to deem yeah. bullying. So good luck on that. You better watch out. Yeah, yeah, you better. <laughs> Sometimes there's clouds in the morning, Sean. This last I'll one. Myself. <laughs> <laughs> maybe carrot. Maybe your wife could sue you. Yeah. This one is for the SRS file reported by CNET on March 13. I have good news for you, Sean. Oh. And I have good news for the listeners and viewers of uh, of the listen, your boy. If you are looking for something to complement your Bluetooth experience, all right. If you want something that has a built-in night vision camera, if you want something that has built-in Wi-Fi for streaming, if you want to create the ultimate selfie stick, look no further than this. Put it up, Nigel. It's called the Cock Cam. Whoa! <laughs> that is a camera on a cock ring 
the company's website included the slogan, quote, capture your climax. And uh, we need to upgrade some of our production at Fightful. Feel free to take the lead on it, my friend. <coughs> feel free. This stuff that I can write off. So here, here's a uh, word. Here, here's a couple, couple of extra points that I want to make about this. So number one, they claim that when filming for long periods, the camera will get warm. So that could be problematic. The other thing I wanted to point out is that they claim that the footage will not be uploaded to the cloud. It'll stay on your phone for security reasons. However, there is precedence about this kind of thing. In 2017, there was another internet connected toy, sex toy called the WeVibe, and they had to settle a class action lawsuit because user statistics were uploaded to the cloud without consent. Well, yeah, you so, never trust the cloud. So, any, trust the cloud. so anybody looking to order the cock cam, keep that in mind. Otherwise, enjoy yourself, I guess. Boy. Never expect to be data mined by your sex toys, but it's uh, the kind of world we live in. That's kind of where we live in. We didn't get data mined by our sex toys. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, news broke today. A lot of stuff broke today, April 3rd. Uh, tell everybody about the Usos. Uh, PW Insider reports that they have re-signed Pro Wrestling Sheets says for five years. This happened a couple weeks ago, so I assume through... WrestleMania 2024 is tentatively when it is. This is a big deal. They had a lot of options. Obviously, they're one of the best tag teams, period. And anybody would have wanted them. Absolutely anybody would have wanted yeah, them. I, I, To me, this was not a surprise at all. And I kind of put them in the Randy Orton bucket in terms of guys who've been around the, that company since they were children because of their father and their family. I didn't think they were going to go anywhere. I don't think Randy Orton's going anywhere. And that's just kind of how I look at it. Um, Ring of Honor. I want to talk about this news. And again, this broke today. Everything broke today before WrestleMania. Intentionally, maybe, Sean. Ring of Honor uh, broke some news. And I think it's a, a brilliant thing. And I think we're going to see more of this from other, other promotions. So they announced today, April 3rd, that they're launching a developmental system. And that they signed their first two recruits to developmental deals. To one guy named Moses Maddox and the other Jasper Khan. They're both formerly of MCW out of Baltimore, Maryland. Ring I of Honor... Who's on that? We could talk about that too, but Ring of Honor's cut a deal with MCW. The dojo is going to be essentially uh, at MCW, uh, MCW headquarters in Baltimore. They're going to be doing a, what did they call it? Uh, a recruitment combine. They're going to be doing a recruitment combine at their dojo in Baltimore over May 4-5 weekend. And I think this makes so much sense. We've talked before about everybody's getting signed up to contracts now. There's a lot of promotions that are offering deals. You want to keep the, the cupboard stocked, so develop your own talents, the NXT model. I think it's a smart idea. There's a lot of drama to this that I am not ready to report quite yet. But really? Joey, Joey Mercury was integral in, in that deal coming together, but there's a lot going on. Okay, we'll talk about it off the air. That's cool. Uh, we got a, a question from uh, Graham James from a longtime listener of ours. He said, Jimmy Van, any chance you could discuss Eli Drake's comments regarding intergender wrestling on listening to your boy, uh, regardless of whether this becomes an angle or not? I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Is this an angle, Sean? Hard for me to tell. If it is, he's selling it really well. Because Seems they, like it. They originally had him booked, yep. and he was replaced by Joey Ryan. Yep. So his, it's deal, that his deal is up at the end of next month. So maybe that's how they write him off, is that Tessa Blanchard beats him. But I don't have a damn clue. Okay, so it's at the United, Stand, United We Stand Impact Show, which is uh, taking place tomorrow, April 4th. 
Uh, and Sean just kind of said, so Eli Drake was supposed to wrestle Tessa Blanchard. He's being uh, replaced now by Joey Ryan. Eli Drake addressed it on Twitter. Nigel's got it. Put it up. So if you look at the bottom part there from a fan, he said, I'm a proponent of equality, but intergender matches really break the immersion of wrestling for me. It screams, hey, this is fake. I don't like that in movies or in wrestling. I also don't uh, find men hitting women to be entertaining. Eli Drake responded, he said, you couldn't have hit the nail more directly on the head. I have amazing respect, blah, blah, blah. I will not participate in a one-on-one -on -one intergender match. Uh, so my take on this, so you can call me a purist if you want. I agree with Eli Drake and I agree with that wrestling fan. I like wrestling, and I've talked about this before, I like wrestling when I can suspend my disbelief. And it's one thing for Ronda Rousey, who is a Olympic judoka and a former UFC champion. It's one thing for her to get in one judo throw on Triple H, or it's one thing for her to throw a few punches at Triple H. Do I want to see Ronda Rousey go one-on-one -on -one in a match with Triple H? No. Uh, because it's just, it, it's, it's, it's taken, yes, it's entertainment, but it's taking the ability to spend your disbelief up to another level. Eli Drake is 6'1", he's about 230 pounds. Tessa Blanchard is about 5'5", what, 130 pounds maybe, Sean? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's entertainment. Did I like Omega wrestling a 12-year-old girl? No. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I, right? I agree, but... Uh... For the people that like it, I'm not saying, hey, don't like it. Or no, whatever. for sure. For sure. I'm, yep. I've done intergender matches. I've done it. I've sold for women. It's not a big deal. Are you talking what? like I, in I, an actual... Oh, my God. No, are you He's talking... What's going on? Do you mean in an actual, like, wrestling environment? Or are you talking after, like, a Blue Chew commercial? Or what are you referring to exactly? We talked about it on the air before. Yes. I okay. have wrestled before. We have some uh, Super Chat stuff. Okay. Jim Ross is trending, trending on Twitter. Someone says, cool. Jimmy, I'm in Ottawa. Beer sometime. Oh, yeah. I went to Carleton University in Ottawa. Hey. And so a I know Ottawa pretty well. Uh, Chelsea is very cool. We're, follow her on Twitter. I'll, I'll post it later. There you go. There you go. There you go. Um, oh, Tom McGee. This is a good oh, story. Boy. This is a good one. And th these are the kind of stories that I like telling a non-wrestling fan like Nigel. Because it's just a good story. So there was a guy out of Winnipeg, Manitoba named Tom McGee. This is in the mid-80s. Okay. He was a power lifter. He was a strong man, big guy, about 6'5", about 270 pounds, ripped to shreds, pretty boy-looking guy. He had the 80s blonde hair, the whole thing, right? He was trained in Calgary by Stu Hart, who was uh, Bret Hart's dad. Right. Uh, he wrestled for Stampede Wrestling. In 1986, WWE signed him, and they brought him in, and he did a television taping in October of 1986 against Bret Hart. Uh, Based on that match, Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson, too, because he was uh, big in talent, they thought Tom McGee was the next Hulk Hogan based on that match. Here is this big, muscled up, good looking guy, agile, like no other wrestler of that size. He was doing drop kicks and all this stuff in the ring. Vince McMahon thought, my God, this is going to be the next big one because he was only, I think, 28 at the time. So they put a lot of stock in him. Uh, and then they started giving him other what they called enhancement matches, which means that you're, on, in a, you're in a TV match against a guy who's there to make you look good and to lose to you, right? So they put Tom McGee in these enhancement matches, and he was the drizzling shits <laughs> in these enhancement yeah. matches. And what they eventually came to realize was, okay, so that match with Bret Hart back in October of 1986, it wasn't great because Tom McGee's the next phenom. It was great because Bret Hart was that good. And I think the mistake they made, Sean, correct me if I'm wrong, the mistake they made is they put Tom McGee in with a guy from Stampede that knew him very well, right? They put yep. him in with Stu Hart's son, who had probably trained 
uh, Tom McGee. And so, of course, if someone's going to make him look good, it's the guy that trained with him in Calgary. So he ended up just falling off because it turned out he was crap, fell down the roster. He, he worked for them sporadically for a few years, and he ended up kind of out of the company. This match, uh, the actual footage of it went missing. And so it was one of these legends that you would hear about, the legend of Tom McGee, the guy that was going to be the next Hulk Hogan because everybody was conned into thinking he was good because of this match. So there's a girl named Mary Kate Anthony. And a while back, Bret Hart's assistant, her name's Marcy Engelstein, had given Mary Kate Anthony a bunch of VHS tapes to digitize. And this was footage that Bret owned. And it turned out one of those tapes had that match on it. And recently, when Mary-Kate Anthony was going through some VHS tapes, she saw the tape marked Bret Hart versus Tom McGee. She didn't own a VCR, so she actually had to like, get a hold of the VCR, put the tape in, and it is that match from, uh, from October of 1986. She hasn't put it up because she knows WWE will sue her because they technically own the rights, but she's going to probably get them the footage. I bet you they're going to put it on the network, Sean. And, uh, and if they're... Now, wait a second. What, what was that last part? Because didn't... she owns the rights? They, yeah. by the way, there was a report of the, of like WWE threatening her. She said, "No, that's not true." Today, no, I know, but she did say, "I'm not putting the full match on YouTube for legal reasons." Yeah, yeah, yeah. she I did say you were, that. You're referencing the the Meltzer report. Which no, she no, 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 she yeah, no. She straight up came. Nope, not true. Yeah, no, no. Just just basically what she said herself. Yeah. So so WWE will get a hold of it if they're smart. And I don't know if Tom McGee is he like bitter about the business and all that. Do you know? I don't know that Tom McGee's bitter about anything. He got gang beaten last year, if you remember, like real I vaguely, bad. sort of vaguely remember. Real bad last year. I think he just kind of wants to be left alone at this point. Okay, okay, because it would be great if they put up a little feature on the network where they show the match and then they have current interviews or new interviews with Bret Hart and Tom McGee. That would be awesome. They they do they a that. lot of really good stuff on their hidden gem section. Like there's mm. somebody that is in control of that that scours Twitter or follows certain people that know what is missing and what isn't out there because they often cater to a lot of those things. They Whoever does that has their finger on the pulse of things and does a really good job. Right. So I'd be shocked if this match didn't end up on the network eventually. I think so too. Yep, I think Brett so too. On one of the old DVDs. He requested it. Yeah, and there they you go. Have- right. Well, I heard Cole Cabana. So when Cole Cabana used to work for the company – Apparently, he used to go into the media room and he would request matches that he had heard about as a kid. Say that again? Naylor, a guy who used to work uh, work there. Okay, and apparently that was the one match they didn't have when Cabana wanted to see it. Only other thing on my list this week is tomorrow, again, April 4th, AAA is doing a press conference at Madison Square Garden. And apparently they are going to announce that they're going to be doing a show at Madison Square Garden. Apparently tomorrow they're going to have a bunch of people there like uh, Pentagon and Phoenix and Conan my question for you is, is AAA a strong enough draw at MSG to draw a building of that size? Because I don't see them having the traveling fan come in for that. Or do you think that they might be able to, since they have an AEW relationship, maybe they'll have the Bucks and Cody and those guys be part of it? They should. They should have AEW. Because a lot of people say that this ROH New Japan show was sold on the backs of them anyway. It was, for sure. Why not do that? But if but the thing is, if I hope you're not announcing it for like next year or something. AEW's already said we're not going to WrestleMania weekend ever. That's their weekend, and I think that's smart because now it's too crowded. Right. But Triple uh, A's been very nice. They've been inviting me to this thing nonstop. It kind of makes me wish I would have went to New York. I'm probably oh. going to go to Tampa next year. In that case, if there's going to be this much stuff that we have access to, right. I'm probably going to end up going. But 
Um, and then I saw David Vixen's fan put it out there. He's like, I RSVP'd no. Then they're like, yeah, but we've got food. <laughs> and he's like, I'm there. I'll see you there. I've done some some PR studying in school and stuff. That is a trick they teach you. It's like offer food and then people will show up there. But there's also a show this Sunday, Jimmy. Did you know? We haven't talked about it. I heard there was something happening. Yeah. yeah. WrestleMania is this Sunday. We're going to have yeah. a live post show. We're going to be here Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Warren's here tonight. I'm sure I'm doing something tomorrow. I think the Q&A show on Select, yours is up there. Steven Jensen's going to be here for the Weekender. We have more stuff than anybody. I know that nobody interviewed more people than us. I made damn sure of that. Nobody will cover more shows than us. Nobody will have more live coverage than us. Nobody. Go to FightfulWrestling.com. I'm pumped for this weekend, Jimmy. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. I have a wedding on Saturday, so I have that right smack dab in the middle of my weekend. But yeah. uh, but it's I, I'm looking forward to Riddle and Dream. That's going to be good. Uh, I'm looking forward to Batista because uh, even though him and Hunter aren't what they used to be, I love Batista's segment on Raw, and he really comes off like he just doesn't give a shit. And so I'm looking forward to seeing that. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens, you know. Talking to Nikita Krylov fan on the phone the other day, we were we were looking at things and we're like, my God, I can't believe they closed Raw with what they did. And yes. The the car crash could have closed. Uh, the Rollins-Lesnar thing could have closed. I think it's because they know that uh, the fan base is no longer strong in the third hour like it used to be. I, so. well, then I would have had Batista close, and then as he's up on the ramp leaving – you cut the show, and then he can bid farewell to his Washington D.C. crowd. Like yeah, I think that would that. thing to do. But we're here for all of it. I'm really excited. Go check out all my interviews. I, I like this week. I'm dropping Tony Schiavone and Eric Bischoff interviews. I interviewed uh, Kazim. I've talked to PCO and Bully Ray, Joey Ryan, Joey Janela, Anthony Bowens, two two uh, people from the Stardom show. Like it's just never ending. Uh, thank you guys for supporting all that. Help get it out there. Quite frankly, I need you all to help get me the Joey Ryan stuff out there because Google isn't going to do it. Yeah. Not with, not with and don't forget, title. don't don't forget the bell for notifications. Yeah, I'm always reminding Sean to tell people that. Tap that bell for notifications next week, 6 p.m. At least one confirmed surprise on the show next week. At least one. <laughs> Subscribe to Fightful on YouTube for the latest exclusive podcasts, interviews, and news across boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.